بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء المرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته صورة العلق to صورة الناس There is a beautiful synergy between صورة العلق and the following صورة صورة القدر Surah Al-Alaq represents the first place of revelation, the cave of Hira, when Jibreel alayhi salam for the first time came to the Prophet And Surah Al-Qadr, of course, represents the first time of revelation, which is uh, the night of decree. You will notice that the very first verses to be revealed to the Prophet اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق خلق الإنسان من علق اقرأ وربك الأكرم الذي علم بالقلم علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم Read in the name of your Lord who has created He has created man from a clot Read and your Lord is the most generous Who has taught writing by the pen He has taught man that which he knew not You can see the tremendous emphasis On learning, on reading, on writing Consider the Prophet is from a people who are illiterate from a people who do not write much, where education, there is no formal education system. Yet the very first five verses contain such a strong emphasis on learning, on reading, and on writing. From verse 6 to 8, Allah says, Nay, verily man does transgress, go beyond all limits. Why? Because he considers himself self-sufficient. When people think in terms of material resources, in terms of money, in terms of supporting people, that they are self-sufficient, that's when they go beyond the limits. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings them back to the one thing which will reform their ways. Inna ila rabbika ruj'a. Surely unto your Lord is the return. Surah Al-Qadr. We have already spoken in depth about Laylat Al-Qadr. One interesting point to mention here is that you'll often find in verses in the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, the time of night or night specifically has been described as a special time for contemplating the Quran. We have the night of decree. We have illa We have the tahajjud of the Prophet ﷺ. The night in particular has been given a special importance because it's the best time for contemplating verses of the Quran. It's the best time for praying when a person is free from their daily business and preoccupation. And therefore, one of the tragedies of the modern lifestyle is that mobile phones, social media has turned a time which was traditionally reserved for rest, worship and contemplating the Quran as a time for idle entertainment, mobile phone, social media, TV. Now, you will see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the opening verse, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ فِي لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ Verily, we have sent it down in the night of Al-Qadr. There are three implicit um, praises of the Qur'an or privileges of the Qur'an here mentioned. First of all, the Qur'an by name is not mentioned. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used the dhamir, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ Which shows the Qur'an is so well known, so revered and respected that its name doesn't even have to be used. People know what it's about. It's also been revealed in the best night, which is Laylatul Qadr, and it's also been connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anzalna, we have revealed it. Surah Al-Bayyina. 
لقد ك... لم يكن الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب والمشركين منفكين حتى تأتيهم البينة. Those who disbelieve from among the people of the scripture and amongst the mushrikun were not going to leave their disbelief until there came to their, them clear evidence. Note how the Ahlul Kitab are mentioned before the pagans when it comes to disbelief. Why? Because they have rejected the truth after knowledge has come to them. The Prophet ﷺ is described clearly in their scripture, yet they rejected the Prophet ﷺ. That's a more severe and blameworthy form of rejection than the pagans who don't have any knowledge. The verse then, the verses then go to mention Ahlul Kitab specifically. وَمَا تَفَرَّقَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَتْهُمُ And the people of the scripture differed not until after they came to them clear evidences. Note how the pagans aren't even mentioned here. There's a beautiful hadith where Anas ibn Malik radiallahu narrates that the Prophet ﷺ said to Ubay ibn Ka'b, who is one of the great scholars of Qur'an from the companions, Allah has ordered me to recite to you لَمْ يَكُنِ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ Also Ubay ibn Ka'b has a background from Ahlul Kitab. And Ubay said, Has he Azzawajal mentioned me by name? And the Prophet ﷺ said, Yes. On hearing that, Ubay started to cry. Subhanallah, this is a generation who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used to mention by name by their lineage. That's how close they were to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The surah ends with a profound description of those people who enter paradise. Allah is well pleased with them and they are well pleased with Allah. Imagine having such a status that it's not just about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being pleased with you, but it's also about you being pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Surah Zalzala. On the Day of Judgment, even the earth will testify about what happened on it. That's the complete justice of the Day of Judgment. In this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَخْرَجَتِ الْأَرْضُ وَثْقَالَهَا When the earth throws out all its burdens, all its secrets, all its treasures, buried dead bodies, murdered victims, everything will be thrown out and all the secrets will be made plain. In the final two verses, فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًّا يَرَهُ So whoever does good equal to the weight of an atom shall see it, and whoever does evil equal to the weight of an atom shall see it. مِثْقَال here means weight, and ذَرَّة here means like a small ant or an atom. That gives you an impression of the total justice of the Day of Judgment. The weight of an atom or the weight of a small ant worth of good or evil, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring it out and you will see it. There's a description of Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullah alayhi. He was in a masjid after Aisha just reciting this surah over and over again, reflecting on its meaning, particularly the last two verses. The caretaker of the masjid saw Imam Abu Hanifa sitting there reciting, so he left the masjid. When he came back, for Fajr, he found Imam Abu Hanifa still in exactly the same position, repeating this surah over and over again. SubhanAllah, a person can be so carried away with the meanings of the Qur'an that all recognition of time and place around you is suddenly lost as you're completely swept away in the verses of the Qur'an. Surah Al-Adiyat The description of the horses in Surah Al-Adiyat describe them in full pelt. And they're so vivid 
that it draws the attention of the listener to the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his creation. Allah describes uh, qualities of the steeds of war, particularly the Arabian horses to this day are known as the finest type of horses and the most expensive. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes five qualities of these horses, positive qualities. Number one, their speed. Number two, their power. Number three, they attack early in the mornings. Number four, they leave their mark. And number five, they penetrate deep into enemy lines. In the end of the surah, the ingratitude of man and their love of material things is mentioned. And verily, he is violent in the love of wealth. Surah Al-Qariyah In Surah Al-Qariyah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describing the striking hour mentions in verse 4 and 5. It is a day whereupon mankind will be like moths scattered about and the mountains will be like carded wool. The day of judgment, its tremendous impact is such that the most noble and most uh, influential of living creatures, human beings, will be reduced to the most insignificant, the moths. And the most powerful symbols of stability amongst the inanimate objects, the mountains, will be reduced down to the most insignificant, which is just carded wool. Such is the reality, the transformational ability of the Day of Judgment. In verse 9, there is really a, a chilling verse regarding the person who disbelieves, whose uh, balance of, uh, good, uh, of deeds is light. But as for him whose balance will be light, meaning they'll have no good deeds. He will have his home in Hawiya. Now, the actual word in Arabic used is for Ummuhu Hawiya. His mother will be hellfire. A mother is a place of rest, a place that calls you, a place you return to. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala flips that on its head, that your mother now, for the one who disbelieves and rejects forever and ever, will not be the caring mother of this world. It will be the mother of the hereafter, which is the hellfire, calling you, bringing you back to it, being your final destination. Surah At-Takathur The Prophet ﷺ said, If the son of Adam had a value of gold, he would desire another one like it. This surah is about the mutual rivalry and greed that distracts people from the purpose of life. Al-Hakum At-Takathur the mutual rivalry diverts you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't mention mutual rivalry in what? Because it could include everything. Money, property, children, servants, fame, good looks. Any of those could divert you from the remembrance of Allah. Until you visit the graves. All this self-deception, all this pomp and glitter, all of it comes to an end when you visit the graves. Now there are three levels of certainty mentioned in this surah which is worth knowing. There is ilm, knowing something. There is ilm al-yaqeen mentioned which is knowing something with certainty and the highest level is ayn uh, al-yaqeen to be able to see something with certainty. We will experience all of those three levels when it comes to the hellfire in the hereafter. There's a beautiful narration that the, uh, which is related to this surah where the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr and Umar came out in the middle of the night due to severe hunger and starvation and they were looking for any source of food and they met an Ansar, uh, uh, and they came to the home of an Ansari companion the Prophet ﷺ. and 
he was out at the time, so the, his wife invited them in, told them to sit down. And then when the Ansari came home, he was delighted to find the three greatest human beings in the world in his home. Abu Bakr, Umar, uh, uh, the Prophet Abu Bakr and Umar. So he, got, uh, he, had a, he had a goat, he slaughtered it, he brought uh, dates, he brought milk, and they all ate to their full. And then the Prophet said after they had completed their meal, he recited this verse. By him in whose uh, he first said, "By him in whose hand is my life, you will certainly be questioned about this bounty on the day of judgment. Hunger brought you out of your house, then you did not return until this bounty came to you, meaning this great fruit." And then a lot. And then the Prophet ﷺ recited, Then on that day, you should be asked about the delights. This should really send a shiver down our spine. That every blessing that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gives you. Allah will question you Yawm Al-Qiyamah, how you use that blessing. Were you grateful? Every blessing deserves gratitude. One of the best ways to do that, whatever Allah SWT has made you good at, use it for the service of the religion. If Allah SWT blessed your tijara, your profit in your business, make sure you spend in the path of Allah SWT. If Allah SWT made you eloquent, make sure that you use this for the service of Allah SWT's deen. If Allah SWT made you brave, courageous, then make sure you use this for the service of Allah SWT's deen. Whatever Allah SWT gives you, be grateful for it and use it for the service of, your, of Allah SWT's religion to the extent you are able. Surah Al-Asr Wal-Asr inna l-insana lafi khusr illa al-ladheena amanu wa aminu al-salihat wa tawasaw bil-haqqi wa tawasaw Imam al-Shafi'i said, If people would reflect on Surah Al-Asr, it would be sufficient for them. It would have been enough if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only revealed Surah Al-Asr if people really thought about it. It explains the four essential principles of religion. Number one, Iman, knowing the truth. Number two, good deeds, acting by the truth. Number three, Da'wah, calling people to the truth. And number four, patience on the consequences that you will face as a result of doing the above three. Surah Al-Humaza. Again, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts a surah by cursing a sin which is so destructive. Woe to every slanderer and backbiter. Slanderer is a person who makes up a false rumor about somebody else that they would hate. A backbiter is a one who says something true about their brother or sister in Islam in their absence, which they would hate. Now people always say, yeah, but I would say it to their face. Then go and say it to their face. Don't relay things about other people, your brothers and sisters in Islam, which they would hate for you to say in their absence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in this surah, يحسب, يحسب He thinks that his wealth will make him last forever. Subhanallah, your wealth will not make you last forever. And even if it could make you last forever, what good would it be when, as this surah mentions, all you have is evil characteristics, evil behavior? Surah Al-Fil. Surah Al-Fil refers uh, to an event which occurred in the year that the Prophet ﷺ was born, where an army of elephants came from Yemen under the leadership of the king of that time in that region, Abraha. He was a Christian king who built a cathedral to try and attract the people of the Arabian Peninsula to his holy sanctuary instead of the Kaaba. And one of the Bedouin Arabs, it's not clear if he did this on purpose or just out of ignorance, he went there and he urinated in the cathedral. This king was so enraged that he sent an army 
to Mecca of elephants. Where did he get an army of elephants from? Probably from Africa because of the Christian connection with Ethiopia. He probably would have uh, imported those elephants from there or shipped them across. But he went to Mecca, he marched to Mecca with an elephant uh, army and the Arabs had never seen such creatures and they scurried for the hills in complete fear of their lives. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes how he protected the Kaaba. وَأَرْسَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ طَيْرًا أَبَابِيلٍ And he sent amongst them birds in flocks. تَرْمِيهِمْ بِحِجَارَةٍ مِّنْ سِجِّيلٍ Striking them with stones of sijil, baked clay. Subhanallah, the most powerful living land creatures were destroyed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the simplest creatures, birds carrying stones. But these stones were from hellfire and they were marked for individual people of that army which destroyed the person and the elephants. And subhanAllah, some of those who rejected the Prophet they were still alive and they could still remember this miracle. Yet still, they rejected the Prophet subhanAllah. Surah Al-Quraysh. Surah Al-Quraysh. Allah is demanding that the Quraysh show gratitude to their Lord by worshipping Him alone without partners. In recognition of, uh, 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 in recognition of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed the Quraysh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions two great bounties which he has given to all communities of people who are established, who are prosperous communities. He who has fed them against hunger and has made them safe from fear. These two blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being fed from hunger and being safe from fear are two blessings that people take for granted and they deserve gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Towards the beginning of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And with Allah's grace, they went on trade caravans setting forth in winter to the south and in summer to the north. Quraysh and the people of Makkah were on the verge of starvation in the history well before the Prophet until one of the ancestors of the Prophet ﷺ came up with this trade route to go down south to Yemen to purchase goods, then go up north to Syria to sell those goods, then bring those goods back to Mecca again to sell them during the pilgrimage. And this was the main source of economy and prosperity for Mecca. The irony is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided them to this source of prosperity, but they abused it and used it as the center of their idolatry and filled the Kaaba with idols. And people would come to the Kaaba to show veneration and respect to these idols and purchase goods. So many people rejected the Prophet ﷺ because they feared that their economic prosperity would be affected because the Prophet ﷺ would wipe out these idols. And then how will people come for pilgrimage if there's no more idols left? SubhanAllah, little did they know that after the Prophet ﷺ wiped out these idols, that pilgrimage would return to its original form set out by the Prophet Ibrahim ﷺ. And this would become now the largest religious gathering of people in the world as we see today. And SubhanAllah, people feared poverty. And now in Makkah, you will see it's one of the most exclusive places to buy land. It has every type of goods and services that you want. Surah Al-Ma'un. Uh, Surah Quraysh, not Surah Al-Quraysh, Surah Quraysh. Surah Al-Ma'un. Note how the disbelieving people in the Day of Judgment 
Their disbelief in this surah is manifested through rejecting small acts of kindness. We often associate disbelief with great acts of oppression, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah describes it using very small acts of unkindness, um, very small, uh, refusing to do small acts of kindness. This is the one who repulses the orphan and urges not the feeding of the poor. In this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala curses people who pray, but people who pray in a certain way. So woe to those who perform salah. Which type of people are they? Those who delay their prayers. Now the scholars of Tafsir mentioned this could mean people who don't pray at all, or people who pray outside the prayer time. You see, all of the conditions of Salah have uh, a level of flexibility. When you can't find water, you can make Tayammum. When you can't find the Qibla, then you just estimate where you think the Qibla is. But time is something which is rigid. Inna salata kanat ala al-mu'minina kitaban mawquta. Verily, the prayer is ordained for the believers at fixed times. Yes, there is a level of flexibility if you're traveling. Uh, the, uh, if you're traveling or if you face uh, severe hardship, you can combine prayers Dhuhr and Asr in Dhuhr Asr time or Maghrib and Isha in Maghrib and Isha time. But that should be very rare occurrence and even shouldn't happen in travel unless there is a severe hardship and can happen outside travel if there is a severe hardship. But that's pretty much the extent of the flexibility. Otherwise, the prayers are to be performed absolutely in their fixed time. Surah Al-Kawthar it's often connected with Surah Al-Ma'un where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is comparing those who don't give and don't spend and are very stingy and niggardly with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's immense abundance and giving to the Prophet The Surah focuses on Al-Kawthar which is a river in paradise. And the Prophet described it, Verily it is a river that my Lord the Mighty and Majestic has promised me and it has abundant goodness. It is a pond where my Ummah will be brought on the Day of Judgment. Its containers are so numerous as the stars in the sky. Then a servant of Allah from among them will be prevented and I will say, O Lord, verily he is from my Ummah. Then he will say, verily you do not know what he introduced after you. This is um, a river and then a pond where people in the hereafter, believers will come to the Prophet There'll be glasses like scattered stars in the sky. They will drink from this pond and they will never ever feel thirsty after that, except a certain group of people who changed the religion after the Prophet particularly those who started to believe in false prophets after the Prophet But it's a severe warning against any form of innovation or altering or changing the religion after the Prophet the Prophet also further described, I entered paradise and I came to a river whose banks had tents made of pearls. So I thrust my hand into it, flowing water, and found that it was the strongest smell of musks. So I asked, O Jibreel, what is this? And he replied, This is Al-Kawthar, which Allah the Mighty and Majestic has given you. SubhanAllah, the context of this surah is that one of the pagan or number of the pagan leaders used to mock the Prophet they said he's abtar, he is cut off. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ had no male descendants uh, that lived. And if you don't have male, no male descendants in that culture and even today, then who's going to carry on your legacy? Who's going to carry on your message? SubhanAllah, those people who are saying this 
everyone has forgotten about them. Yet the Prophet's message and legacy has been carried forward by the companions and the Ummah of the Prophet to the extent he is the greatest personality known in this world today, more than a thousand four hundred years after he passed away. Surah Al Kafirun. Surah Al Kafirun is in essence Tawheed in worship exemplified. قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ لَا أَعْبُدُ مَا تَعْبُدُونَ وَلَا أَنْتُمْ عَابِدُونَ مَا أَعْبُدُ وَلَا أَنَا عَابِدٌ مَا عَبَدْتُمْ وَلَا أَنْتُمْ عَابِدُونَ مَا أَعْبُدُ لَكُمْ دِينُكُمْ وَلِيَدِينَ Say to the kafirun, the disbelievers, I worship not that which you worship, nor will you worship that which I worship, and I shall not worship that which you are worshipping, nor will you worship that which I am worshipping, that I worship. To you be your religion, and to me be my religion. The most comprehensive rejection of false religion. SubhanAllah, it's important to note that these people did worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they associated partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it renders all your worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala null and void, and it's, if you, it's as if you did not worship Allah at all. The Prophet used to encourage reciting this surah, which is tawheed in action, practical tawheed, along with surah al-ikhlas, which is Tawheed in belief for the two Rakah Sunnah of Fajr and the two Rakah Sunnah of Maghrib and for the two Rakah that you pray in Hajj or Umrah at Maqam Ibrahim. So Tawheed in action, Surah Al-Kafirun. Tawheed in belief, Surah Al-Ikhlas. The most comprehensive summary of belief in the oneness of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala. Something that you should be reiterating with yourself with the Sunnah of Fajr and the Sunnah of Maghrib. Surah Al-Nasr. This surah was revealed towards the end of the message when the Prophet ﷺ had completed revelation virtually and the Arab tribes had uh, entered Islam in their great crowds. When there comes the help of Allah and you see uh, and the conquest and you will see people enter Allah's religion in crowds. So glorify the praises of your Lord and ask for his forgiveness. Verily is the one who accepts repentance and who forgives. When the companions uh, heard this surah, they rejoiced. It's describing a very pleasing scene. All the tribes coming and entering Islam in their crowds and the religion being manifest. But Abu Bakr began to cry and he said, May my mother and father be sacrificed for you, Ya Rasulullah. Because he understood and he was one of the only ones who understood that this surah is actually foretelling the death of the Prophet ﷺ. Because if people are entering religion in their crowds and if the religion is now complete and revelation is complete, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not leave the Prophet ﷺ in this dunya for a moment longer than he needs to be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring the Prophet ﷺ back to himself. And that's why... As the Prophet ﷺ nears the end of his lifespan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders him bihamdi rabbika wastaghfir. So glorify the praises of your Lord and ask his forgiveness. Whenever we complete a great feat, a great act, such as Salah, such as Hajj, such as Umrah, we always end it with forgiveness. We always end it with istighfar, seeking forgiveness. Why? In recognition of the shortcomings, in recognition that we have not truly worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the way he deserves and to protect ourselves from being self-conceited, from being impressed with our own selves. Surah Al-Masad. This surah was revealed uh, regarding the uncle of the Prophet Abu Lahab, who was one of his ardent enemies. And it's a miracle actually that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this surah. If he really hated Islam, 
he all he had to do was to accept Islam, embrace Islam, and this surah would have been a contradiction in the Quran. But Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows this man will never accept Islam at all. When the Prophet first declared his message openly uh, uh, at the Mount. He, the first to respond was Abu Lahab, who said, "Perish your hands!" And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala responded with this surah: "Perish the two hands of Abu Lahab. His wealth and his children will not benefit him. He will be burnt in a fire of blazing flames, and his wife too, who carries wood in her neck, is a twisted rope of masad." Consider this: that this is the uncle of the Prophet but because of his evil actions, it did not benefit him, his relation to the Prophet ﷺ in one bit. Your relation to righteous people will only benefit you when you follow them in righteousness. Surah Al-Ikhlas. We've already mentioned that Surah Al-Kafirun is a summary of Tawheed in uh, uh, action. Surah Al-Ikhlas is a summary of Tawheed in belief. The Prophet ﷺ was told of a companion who always recited Surah Al-Ikhlas in prayer. And the Prophet ﷺ said, by the one in whose hand is my soul, it is equivalent to one third of the Qur'an. This can either mean that you get the reward of reciting one third of the Qur'an just by reciting Surah Al-Ikhlas. Or it can mean that in terms of content, it's worth one third of the Qur'an. The Qur'an is effectively made up of three subject matters. Number one, about Tawheed of Allah, which is Surah Al-Ikhlas effectively. Number two, rulings. And number three, stories of the past. So effectively, in terms of subject matter, it is a third of the Qur'an. Ahad means singular. It doesn't just mean one. Because wahid means one. But wahid could mean one over here, one over there, one in a different country. Ahad means singular, one, unique. There is nothing else. Ahad, one. As-Samad, Allahu samad means the self-sufficient. Abu Huraira said it means he is free of needing anything and everything is in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He does not beget nor was he begotten and there is nothing like him. This summarizes the essence of our belief in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Finally, we end with Surah Al-Falaq and Surah An-Nas. Ibn Al-Qayyim said that the effectiveness of these surahs is great to repel magic, evil eye, and the rest of the evils. And the need for a slave to seek Allah's protection from these two surahs is greater than his need for self, eating, drinking, and wearing dress. These surahs should be part of our daily life. It is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to read Surah Al-Ikhlas, Surah Al-Falaq, Surah An-Nas once after every obligatory prayer, but three times after Fajr and after Maghrib, and three times as part of the mean morning afkar and part of the evening afkar and three times before you go to sleep you're supposed to blow lightly recite and then wipe over your body now you do the maths how many times are we supposed to recite these three surahs in a day and if we were to do it how much better our quality of lives would be and how better would be protected from all sorts of evils around us it's the most comprehensive form of ruqya, spiritual cures, after which the Prophet ﷺ would not seek cure through anything else. The context of revelation was that a one of the hypocrites had taken one of the hairs of the Prophet ﷺ, did some witchcraft and put it, hid it near a well. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to the Prophet ﷺ via angels where this place was. And this surah, these surahs were then revealed for protection from things such as evil eye and witchcraft. In Surah Al-Falaq, 
We seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through one of his attributes. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ Seek our refuge with, uh, with Allah, the Lord of the daybreak. One of his attributes, the Lord of the daybreak. But we seek refuge from three types of evil. مِنْ شَرِّ مَا خَلَقْ From the evil of what he has created. وَمِنْ شَرِّ غَاسِقٍ إِذَا وَقَدْ From the evil of the darkness. وَمِنْ شَرِّ النَّفَّاثَاتِ فِي الْأُقَدْ And from the evil of those who practice witchcraft when they blow in their knots. وَمِنْ شَرِّ حَاسِدٍ إِذَا حَسَدْ And from the evil of the envier when he envies. Three types of evil are sought refuge with from just one attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That he is the Lord of the daybreak. And as such, we seek refuge from the evil of darkness when it comes, from the evil of witchcraft when they blow, and from the evil of the envier when he envies. Essentially, these three types of evil concern our health and our bodies and our worldly interests. They are exterior threats which affect our body and our nafs. In Surah An-Nas, however, we seek refuge in three attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ مَلِكِ النَّاسِ إِلَاهِ النَّاسِ I seek refuge in Allah, the Lord of mankind, the King of mankind, the Ilah, the God of mankind. And what do we seek refuge in? Just one evil. مِنْ شَرِّ الْوَسْوَاسِ الْخَنَّاسِ From the evil of the whisperer. What does this tell us? You see in Surah An-Nas we're seeking protection for our religion. Whisperings of human beings and jinn are what cause corruption of the heart which cause us to go astray so we are now seeking refuge in three mighty attributes and names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from just one evil why because that evil is so devastating it's the evil which corrupts our religion this teaches us that the evil which corrupts our religion is far more devastating and dangerous than the evil which corrupts our bodies and our worldly interests and when we are faced with evil which corrupts our religion or the risk of evil which corrupts our religion we need to really seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and really show our desperate need and beseech Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with more and more of his attributes it's very similar to surah al-fatiha and we've now completed a full circle in surah al-fatiha we started with a dua in surah an-nas we end with a dua in surah al-fatiha we beseeched Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with three sets of attributes that he is the Rabb of Alameen, that he is Rahman al-Rahim, and he is Maliki al-Middin. In Surah An-Nas, we complete our recitation of the Quran that he is the Rabb of uh, Nas, that he is the uh, he is the Rabb of Nas, the Lord of, Na of mankind. He is the Malik of mankind, the King of mankind, and he is the Ilah, the God of mankind. هذا وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.